The Last Word with Matt Cooper. And you're very welcome back to The Last Word. Frank Graney here filling in on the show for Matt Cooper today. And I'm joined by Charlie Weston, personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. And Charlie, I want to start with your story in today's newspaper, which reports on a worrying rise in the number of scams, online scams, which seems to be driven by the move to cashless society. That's right, Frank. Yeah, particularly since the pandemic, when cash, we were discouraged from using cash during the pandemic in case it carried infection. And, you know, there's been a very big move to people using online contactless cards, credit cards, etc. And that now has seems to be, uh, uh, have given rise to a huge increase, an absolutely enormous and explosive increase in financial fraud and uh, scams, etc. Economic crime, I suppose the guards would call it. For example, accounts taken over by a fraudster. There's been a 560% increase in that since 2019, uh, you know, last year and 2019. Absolutely enormous. I mean, and this is where they trick you into giving them their, your personal identification numbers, so your bank details, and they get and into your account. Out your account. just clean it out. They just take everything. And if you, unfortunately, have a lot of money in that account, which people do, they don't put money in separate savings accounts because there's nothing to be earned. You know, they might have all the money that they have in the world might be in an account that, that's been compromised and it just gets absolutely wiped. It's all gone. Mm. And you probably, you've given permission so the bank is going to say, well, sorry, you authorised that. We really can't do anything here. You know, once you authorise a payment to somebody, it's out of our hands. Um, and, you know, they're not being forced to do anything about it. So, I mean, that's an enormous one. I mean, other huge areas, investment fraud as well, 258% increase. Wow. And remember, Frank, as well, I mean, these are only the, the, the cases that are reported to the Gardaí. I was Most going to say that. report these. Be- yeah. Because there is a bit of a stigma attached to becoming victim or to falling victim to these online scams that people might be too embarrassed to actually go and report it. So the numbers could actually be quite, quite a lot uh, higher than they already are. If you speak to anybody who kind of knows about this, they'll tell you that the actual numbers are probably going to be multiples of these numbers because, yeah, yeah as you say, people are embarrassed about it. Uh, you know, there's a stigma. And also they just feel like there's no chance of getting it back. It's probably gone off to some chancers off in, in, in Russia or something who've, who've raided my bank account and they just don't report it. So, yeah, you could be talking about huge numbers. We had a very honest admission recently there from the broadcaster Sarah McInerney who said recently she got stung by this e-tolls scam where people get these um, unsolicited texts purporting to come from the toll road operator telling them that they owe money and when they follow the links here, press on the links, go into this website and put your your, your financial, you know, PIN numbers, etc. into this and authorise a payment. It just turns turns out to be a way for them just to gain access to your account. So it was very honest of her, but, you know, the number of people getting caught by this is probably... Yeah, there's so many of them. I've received that text myself. I have received another text in relation to mandatory COVID tests and all these kind of things. And they do on the face of it. They are fairly sophisticated operations. They look genuine. And I think it's kind of reached a point for me now that even when I'm getting these genuine text messages, I'm ignoring them because you just think your first thought is that it's some sort of a scam. Are you surprised by the numbers of people getting caught, given, I suppose, the amount of awareness around them uh, over the years? Or do you think more could be done in that particular area? I think, uh, surprised the number of people getting caught, not really, you know, I mean, they, as you say, they're very, very convincing. I mean, there's a particularly sinister one going around at the moment, 
dear dad or, or mum mom or dad, I've lost my phone, I'm using a friend's phone, yeah. uh, could you text me back on this phone? And it's it's an 087 or 089, it's a, it's a local number. Uh, and, and a variation of that I heard about today was, uh, dad, I've been in an accident, so you immediately kind of respond to, to the text. But Panic don't do kicks in and judgment is it often does. clouded when you're in a panic state. Ring the daughter or the son. Um, you know, and, 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 and today a new one going around purportedly coming from AIB, which AIB have dismissed as a fraud, where um, it's saying, yeah, we've noticed unusual card activity on your credit card. We've blocked it. You need to follow these links to, 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 to unblock it. And people today as well getting messages from Revolut saying, um, you know, yeah, there's a payment gone through here. We're not sure about it. Now, Revolut, don't ring you. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's an automated message apparently saying press nine or hang up, you know, uh, to, to authorize this, which leaves people in a panic. Even if you hang up, I could yeah. get caught on this one. So they're incredibly difficult to, to, to spot. You're absolutely right, though. If you get an unsolicited uh, text, email, phone call, and my approach is exactly the same. I just ignore it. Mm-hmm. I just ignore it. I mean, and, and go off and do an independent check. If you think the bank might be trying to contact you, try and ring them. I mean, that's the advantage of one of the mainstream banks. They have people who can take calls. Uh, try and make your own contacts. Never, ever go through the links that they provide to you. Just go through, uh, you know, go into your app or go online or ring them, uh, but never follow a link if it's an uns- unsolicited. Uh, and I think it's a know. helpful piece of advice and it might seem so simple, but it is very helpful that the the, you know, the traditional financial institutions, they won't ask for your details over the phone like that. They won't send you a message looking for for your details. We have Sinn Féin's Pierce Doherty was out today on the back of these numbers and he was saying that there's a lack of government strategy, that that's why consumers have been left uh, vulnerable. Do you think that's a fair charge? We've seen all of the awareness campaigns, but do you think enough has been done? Well, he's been... Pierce Doherty's been, you know, to the forefront of this. Um, he, he's, he brought, he's getting it brought up and, and having people brought before an Oireachtas committee. No, not enough has been done. And he's charged the Department of Justice. He said, look at you guys are just not taking this seriously. He thinks the key thing that's needed is a shared database of fraudsters. Now, the banks, to be fair to them, are in favour of that. This will be a database showing uh, any new frauds coming up. The banks could share the information. If it's coming from somewhere else in Europe, they could, you know, I- indicate to each other what's happening and, and, and be very alert to it very quickly before it starts taking hold. The other thing is the telecoms company. Revolut is very strong on this. They're saying telecoms companies are facilitating this because they're making money on it, they claim. They say, look, there's text messages going out all over the place. Why are they not being blocked by the telecoms companies? So, you know, there's questions being asked about what the telecoms companies are doing here. Plus the internet service providers, they should be doing more because a lot of this crops up on social media uh, as well. There needs to be a whole of government approach to this and far more needs to be done. I got a very wishy-washy answer eventually from the Department of Justice. I contacted them at 9 o'clock yesterday. They got back to me at 8 o'clock in the evening with a wishy-washy answer along the lines of, yes, we're responsible for the statutory order that would put in place a shared database. The banks are working on it uh, and then gave no commitment about when it's going to happen. Mm. So, you know, really, really, the Department of Justice needs to pull its finger out and do far more here because people are just being wiped out. Savings are being just destroyed here in this. There is, there is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is a dedicated unit within Angola the Shia that will deal with this type of, of cybercrime but I think as you say the real issue is I just don't I just don't know if it's resourced enough I mean clearly it's not if those numbers are anything to go by They're overwhelmed I mean it's the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau back in the day used to be known as the Fraud Squad I mean they're the specialists on, the, on this one and you know the Department of Justice insists that the, there's been a 21% increase in resourcing for that unit but 
you know, they just can't cope with the number. And it probably coming from a low base hard. as well. And I, I, they I can wonder, sometimes reverse a payment, but it's yeah. very, very difficult, yeah. you know. I, and I wonder, you know, if you fall victim to one of these crimes, walking into your local Garda station, I mean, are they equipped to deal with it there? Or is this long, arduous process that involves getting this particular unit involved? But, sure, look, listen, we'll no, no, they have, to be fair to them now, they have the, that unit, the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau, they have trained and uh, gar- individual Garda in each station. So there'll there'd be one or two Garda in each station trained yep. to deal with this. And, and if it's if it's a complicated one, refer it on to them. Okay. So there is some, you know, a network across the country. It's always better to report this. You know, yeah. it really is. Oh, uh, you know, it makes it makes it easier for to identify where it's coming from too. And and it can happen to anyone. It's great to hear the likes of Sarah coming out. I and mean, I'm sorry to hear that, that happened to her, but it's great to hear her coming out and saying that it can literally happen to anyone. Um, let's let's move on then. Well, I suppose it's a similar enough topic, uh, Charlie, in relation to con, con artists. This has been a problem for years with people making false insurance claims. But there are going to be new personal injury rules introduced that may make it a little bit harder to do that. You might walk us through those. Yeah, the personal um, insolvency, uh, not sorry, not insolvency, the, the personal injuries assessment board, personal injuries assessment board. If you have a, 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 an injury of a car, accident or whatever, you have to submit your claim through the personal injuries assessment board. Now, it only gets released into the courts if, if a settlement is rejected by either side. But for years, there's been a suspicion that it's easy enough to get a payout through the, the personal um, injuries assessment board. People weren't required to give a public service number, you know, a personal public service number. weren't requ- required even to sign forms. And, and could sometimes, they could play the game, the system, by not putting in a medical report, forcing an assessment to be made without a medical report. Mm. Finally, there's been a clampdown on that. You now will have to give a personal public uh, service number so you can be identified, so you can't use a bogus identity. Uh, you know, you'll have to give some uh, ID you you will have to uh, also sign the paper that that you're handing in you know making the claim and you'll have to submit some kind of a medical report otherwise you'll come up against statute of limitations which means you could run out of time with your claim now these are fairly basic uh, checks but you know there have been con artists out there who who are game in the system so the the hope is and the the Alliance for Insurance who formed the, the pressure group think this could be curtains for fraudsters. It could make it very difficult for fraudsters, just fraudsters to make easy money yeah. by putting in a claim without putting any supporting documentation in or even signing the the, 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 uh, it's, the, look, it's, it's yeah. as I said, we've been talking about it for years and it's incredible that it's, it's taken this long for them to do something about it. We are almost out of time, but I do really want to ask you about another story uh, before we go, because obviously everyone with the cost of living crisis and whatnot, everyone's shopping basket is getting more expensive as the weeks go by. But there are, are talks now about potentially introducing price controls on food. But what, what exactly would that involve? Yeah, I mean, look, there's incredible anger out there about the, the, the price of groceries going up you know, in multiples every week. I mean, you know, the Cantar, the research group, say grocery inflation is running at about 16%. The Central Statistics Office put, excuse me, put it at about 12.5%. But, you know, um, in other countries, they're tackling this by bringing in price controls. I mean, Hungary, Greece, uh, Croatia, they, they brought in price caps. In France, they're, they're trying a voluntary uh, idea where own brand staples, the, 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 comp- the retailers themselves would agree to, to keep a cap on those prices. In Britain, there's talk about some sort of a similar system. So, you know, it's been something that, that's been kicked around a bit here a bit. You know, now, it, it might just end up hurting small shops. They looked at this in Spain and thought... Small shops won't be able to compete here. Their margins are not as big. And if they're forced to kind of sell milk at a euro a litre, I mean, that's just going to be loss making for them. So 
But, you know, I think people are beginning to say, look, we need to think outside the box here. We might have sort of thought this was uh, something we couldn't do a couple of years ago. But families are suffering terribly and we need to ha- see something happening on price, the price of food, which is just going up at a ferocious rate. We need to see much more competition and much more price cuts. Yeah, look, Charlie Weston, we'll have to leave it there, but I believe you have a good story brewing that we may come back to tomorrow in in the Indo. Charlie Weston, person of finance editor with the Irish Independent. Thank you so much for that. We'll have the five at five next. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from four thirty. Today.